main approach to illness has seen greater effectiveness in fighting disease. But as we've seen this past year, even the most modern of approaches can still leave people isolated from one another. Mr. Shu says the purpose of this exhibit is to challenge people's perceptions of what Taiwan is and get them to think about it in a way that's less focused on the mainstream of society on the main island alone. The exhibit aims to get people to see that Taiwan is not an island nation, but an archipelago nation with many islands that should all be accepted, literal and metaphorical alike. The exhibit hopes to create a more open vision of what Taiwan is and ought to be. Islands in Between, Thousand Faces of Taiwan runs at the National Museum of Taiwan History through June 6th. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. James Hu is founder and CEO of JobScan. Let's say you want to get into this big company real bad, but you know that about 20,000 people are applying for the same position that you are, and you think you have all the criteria and you want to be noticed. Okay, you want to get that job. What do you do to spice up your resume? That's when you go to JobScan to help you with things like telling you which keywords you should have in your resume so that bosses will notice, you know, they go, they'd like that. At one point, James wanted to find a job in technology, but he figured that you have to know coding to get a job in that field. So today, we're going to find out with a business background that he has, how did James learn coding? You, you self-taught yourself coding? Yeah. Wow. Mostly from Google. Yes. Just Googling everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I built JobScan as a, as a portfolio project to showcase. I could build something so I can find a better job. And I, I said, if I can build something, it might as well be useful. And uh-huh. maybe it could turn into a company one day. Yeah. And it did. How long has JobScan been around? Seven years now. How many employees in your company? We have 26. Oh, that's not small. It's interesting. You started this to help yourself find a better job, and you never have to find a job again because this is your company. Hopefully but not. you should try it. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever, like, you know, uh, use yourself as, like, a... Guinea a, pig. Yeah, the guinea pig. Yeah. In, in, in software, they, they call it uh, dog food, your own product. <laughs> you got to eat your own dog food. That's what Microsoft people call it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I did. I mean, that was... I, I used it, you know, to, to help me find the right keywords yeah. faster. Yeah, it worked out, and, and it worked, and I started getting more interviews, and that's when I was like, wow, this thing actually is kind of useful yeah. <laughs> and I start promoting it on some websites and some websites picked it up like lifehacker.com mm. saw it and they wrote a feature story about it and that wow. brought 5,000 people overnight you know I did apply to several and um, you mean and, big names you're saying yeah yeah and even and now it worked uh, yeah I to started, the point where they said they want to interview you yeah I, there's, a, there's a couple that, that you know I started hearing back I think Amazon was one of them that <laughs> got back to me that's what your dad wanted yeah yeah I was like well <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I was like, nope, I'm not <laughs> not working there. Uh, oh wow! But every day, even till even now, we get emails from users constantly saying they got interviews, they they weren't getting any callbacks, and uh, now since they used it, they got five five interview calls, and they're really thankful. Wow, so I we should get, really give this thing a try. Yeah, it depends <laughs> on the person, of course. We can't guarantee that uh, you would get interviews, but so even down to like you know how you promote yourself, like your personality. Mm-hmm. JobScan helps you with that, how to promote yourself, despite all your job experiences. It's like putting that aside, but on personality, on how do you promote yourself, you know, mm-hmm. turn a negative into a positive. You know what I'm saying? We don't Does really it do that? have that angle. <laughs> I'm asking too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't, but we have related, something related, because we break down your skill sets comparing to the job description. Yeah. Hard skills and soft skills. Okay. Right? Because every job, you have yeah. the hard the technical skills and then you have the personality char- characteristics, right? Of soft skills. So the soft skills, we can actually show you what this, com- this company is looking for, right? It's a very simple list of saying, you know, communication skills, uh, you know, teamwork, right? Things like that. So at least those things are pointed out to you. Then you can demonstrate those during your interview. mm Okay. Well, to me, James, it seems like you're, you, you're really a successful example of someone who started a business, you know, after all that frustration, I don't know for how long, how many years, mm-hmm. looking for the dream job that mm-hmm. you try to apply and, you know, it just kind of fell through your fingers. So, um, apparently, you even, like, decided to take a break go and like travel for a year or something like that and hired someone to sit in your seat as CEO of JobScan. What was that like? It's not heard of, you know, where you hire somebody to take over your position at your own company. Mm-hmm. So what made you thought of that? I was living in, in Seattle and felt like I was losing a little bit of the steam at the mm-hmm. time, to be honest, like around early last year, early 2020. And so I thought maybe I should go remote. And at this time, no one was remote, right? No uh-huh. one, everybody's still in the office. I thought, yeah. maybe I should just go remote. But I was like, as a, as a leader of the company, I can't just be remote by yeah. my, myself and everybody else still in the office. Right, right. <laughs> so I was like, that wouldn't work. And then I, this crazy idea came along. I was like, maybe I should just hire someone to run it for a year while I take a kind of a break. Yeah. And then I had a buddy at the time who was... Very smart, and I he, every time he I talked to him, I learned a lot from him. He ran a larger business uh, in Silicon Valley, a, a, a startup that did, did pretty successful. Oh, okay. And I was like, "Oh, this guy's pretty successful. I'm not sure if he would even be interested, but let me just ask." And decided yeah. to ask. Got him out to dinner, treated him some steak and wine, and I said, okay. "Hey, would you be interested in you know helping me out for a year?" That's it, right? It's, it's short term. He's like, "Yeah, I'd be interested." I'm like, oh wow, okay. So let's let's talk more, and then so we agreed on the on the terms, and uh, he joined, and we had a, a transition period of a month where I was working with him side by side to make sure everything was running smoothly, and the team likes him. And then I I, I left. I was still working technically. I was still on on checking in. Yeah, I was still working an hour or two a day to make mm-hmm. sure. You know, to make the major decisions, hiring decisions, firing decisions, strategic decisions. It's not like I'm completely hands off. Right. So, yeah, I just took off and traveled for <laughs> as my full time job. But it did work out. 
All right. Yeah, it worked out because he brought new perspectives to oh, the company. He okay. streamlined a lot of different parts of our departments. We got new vendors. Got you oh. know, we got we brought on new lawyers, new um, accountants. We we hired a few people. You know, he brings a different personality to the so, company. Yeah, sounds like not, not a bad idea at all. Yeah, because yeah. when you're running your own company for so long, you can lose perspective. Yes, too. And that is true. Some fresh eyes and good. You know, there's someone else can bring in good practices, and I came back and had that transition again, and now I'm, I'm back in the company with a yeah. vengeance. Yeah. So I'm pushing the team harder now. Oh, <laughs> than before. <laughs> oh, that kind of vengeance. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. But during that time, though, you got to travel, mm-hmm. and that's what you've been wanting to do for a while or something, like travel by yourself. Uh, it was yes, by myself. Yeah. And, where did you go? And um, what did you do? Well, so the sabbatical, had, I had different goals. There's a few things I wanted to take care of, like in my life, right? Like when you're so focused on building the business, you just all in, and other parts of your life could be a little bit behind. Yes. Right. So number one, I wanted to get fit. I wanted to get abs, so I was working out more, and I was watching my diet, so Uh I actually did achieve my my goal with my fitness goals. Second one was I want to learn Spanish, so I I, I actually went to Spain, and I took classes full-time, not full-time, intensive classes, so now I can actually speak Spanish, just conversationally, just talk about basic things. That sounds like such a great idea. Yeah. So how long were you in Spain? Uh, About a month, month and a half. And you did it, and that's it. You mastered the language now, just in a month. Uh, no, no, no. I I still learn it. I had a Spanish lesson today. Still, oh. I still learn it. I'm still practicing. Okay. But uh, that during that time, I had an intensive class. Yeah. Going to class every day for four hours a day, only in Spanish. Oh wow! So that helped a lot. Oh great. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I was in and Europe then, mostly. Uh huh. And then parts of the Middle East. But these are places you've been before or, no, some or are not? New. Mostly are new. Mostly are, Mostly new. are new. Yeah. Oh, like like what places? I love travel. Uh, Norway, Sweden. Oh, yeah. Uh, I started with the Northern Europe. Yeah, that's what I want to do someday. Yeah. <laughs> because I wanted to, to optimize for weather. I don't want to go anywhere cold. So I wanted to hit Northern Europe first in, in, the, in the summer. Oh, in the summer. So, yes. So, and then Finland, uh, mm. you know, France, Paris. Some you other... didn't know anybody in all these places? You all by most of them don't. Most wow. of them. I live in the hostels and Airbnbs uh, and. So, like, how long would you stay in each place? Like, on the average, how many days or, or how many weeks or I don't know. <laughs> sometimes three days. Sometimes. Oh, okay. Week. It just depends. I was flying or traveling very frequently. Oh, <laughs> three to seven wow. days. Oh, okay. But you were doing this, and then the mid- Middle East too. Where did you go in the Middle East? I went to Lebanon, huh. Beirut, yeah. and Jordan, and then Israel. Wow. Yeah. Okay, intense. And then Turkey, yep. Yeah. yeah, okay. All these places for, like you say, from June to March, Uh So right? I started in June. Wow, it's more than half a year. Yeah, I started in June. Like but Nine months. Yeah, it was supposed to be a year, but it cut off short because COVID of hit COVID, in March. Right. But by that time, I was already kind of tired. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I need to go somewhere. I just like stay somewhere longer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I would, you know, travel that long by myself. I, I kind of feel like I need company. Oh, well, it was wow. more about 10 years. I've been trying to start a business for 10 years and uh, just never worked out in the beginning, right? right? So right. I think by by last year, right. things were stable and I felt like I could take a, a break. So I, I highly recommend it to everybody. Like really? every 10, we'll take one year off for every 10 years you work. <laughs> it's a great way to um, just catch up on other things yeah. you wanted to do. 
and you better make sure you have the budget for that. Yeah, you can you can do it for cheap too, right? You can stay in one place and go somewhere affordable. Yeah, I think most people can do it. It's just a matter of comfort. How much comfort do you have with your own oh. savings or not having cash flow? Going back on JobScan, where do you want to go f- with JobScan? Mm-hmm. Is it pretty much global now? Yeah, it's been global since we launched because it's a, it's a website. Everybody can access it. It's yeah, in, the whole world. It's in English, right? So, oh, it's in English. Yeah, yeah. It's right. not in Mandarin or Chinese at all. And and not in any other languages. So everybody, it's a universal language, English. Mm-hmm. So just English is fine. Yeah. Right, right. So majority. So not, not resume in Japanese. You yeah. know, you can't help with that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 not right now. <laughs> Eventually, one day. Okay, okay. But, you know, 60% of our users are in, in the States and then... Canada and then UK, Australia, Singapore. So it's really everywhere. You know, we've got users from 220 countries, except except North Korea, uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah. So so it works everywhere. You know, like we've been growing since day one, and we're still growing today. We don't have plans to exit. You know, a lot of people talk about what's your exit plan, right? We're not. I'm not doing this to get rich. You know, I'm doing this yeah. because it actually is very fulfilling uh-huh. work and you know we're gonna grow as long as far as we can and if it takes us ipo then we ipo but if we don't then we just grow and maybe we'll acquire a few companies and oh, keep going acquire, um in the same field or yeah same fields and oh, okay. we were looking at a couple of websites to, to buy last year yeah yeah small i can get you know there's a lot oh, of small this is getting ones getting pretty serious yeah 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 <laughs> getting really big well i mean you know, if it makes sense, sometimes it's like a build versus buy decision. Some things is cheaper to buy yeah. than to build yourself. Whereas with your personal life, any any dreams, any goals? Uh, <laughs> Are you just going to be happy with just job no, scan and no, taking care of this baby? And I got a lot of ideas on other oh, businesses other, I want to build. And Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'd, so you're a true entrepreneur. So it's just, you're not satisfied with just job scan. You're thinking uh, of other things too. I'm pretty happy with job scan. I just don't want to lose focus because some things are already working very well i can i can see has a lot still have a lot of potential i can take it to next level and 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 more yeah so i don't want to lose focus so i'm controlling myself not to start something else i'm holding oh, myself back oh, oh, okay so i misunderstood you i thought you were like really on to something else no um, no not not yet but not yet i am um i do a little but it's in- a possibility yeah so you're definitely for entrepreneurship you're oh, definitely yeah, totally. for like startups you know start your own business kind of thing yes you're one of those people who says that if you believe it do it yes is that how you say it <laughs> anyway yeah i mean if you believe it just try it out i mean i wouldn't even say try it out i think a lot of people take it too seriously as uh, like if it's me. like oh you gotta I'm change your whole person. life yeah like yeah it's not that i'm very you know it's like as if i'm tiptoeing into hot water i'm like touching it and just like I, I'm not sure if I want to get all the way into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm that kind of person. Yeah. Too, I think too much. I think of problems first mm-hmm. before I start anything. Right, yeah. There's a, there's a definitely a lot of uh, naiveness <laughs> involved in, or, or believing things will work out. And I know. Overly optimistic sometimes. Right. But it's good sometimes. What advice do you want to give people mm-hmm. who are thinking about startups but they're just very iffy? They're very, they're too careful about it. They're taking it too seriously. And what's your advice for them? 
So the first company I started, my mindset completely changed. My first, the first company I started was the same mindset. Like, wow, I'm starting a business. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm gonna be broke. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to, you know, register a company, build a team, raise money, and all this stuff, right? Like, something yeah. big, life changing. But the second time around, like, I didn't, I don't think that way anymore. Thank you for a job scan. All those who heard this. If you've been really frustrated about finding a job, maybe this would help you. In the midst of what's happening now in the world, you、yes. can still possibly get a good job. Yes, and it's free to try, so it's not like you have to pay upfront. Right, and it's free to try. All right, thanks, James. All right, thanks, Shirley. Thanks for having me. Classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Today we're going to hear from Wen Tingyun, a late Tang Dynasty poet who founded a very romantic style of poetry, what people call the flowery school of poetry. The school of Tzu. This style has distinct patterns and rhythms that are as lyrical as flowers are beautiful, and it dominated Chinese poetry from much of the late Tang Dynasty and the Song Dynasty. Many of one's poems are boudoir verses that describe the luxurious rooms and gardens of women and their inner desires. These types of love poems were often used between men and women in the entertainment districts of the capital city, Chang'an, of the Tang Dynasty. One of these poems is called "A Night Banquet." The long hairpins, a pair of dragonflies, in her dangling locks, where the green fields end and hills slant. Painted screens open. The curly whiskered duke's son and guests of the five marquises, in one round, down a thousand cups, like rain from the roof tiles. Phoenix throated, the beauties sing seamlessly with perfection. Brows contract, shung river mist, sleeves are whirling snow. In this clear night, kind feelings are shared by one and all. So don't let the canal waters part, east and west. Set upright, the candles weep; their scented beads wane. Dark dew and morning wind, gauze curtains chill, imposing halberd banners flutter in ranks. Their twenty-four poles 
are dragon bedecked. Shrill pipes, flurried strings, a peace and symphony, tiny ripples and scented goblets. Darkness toss off the spring brew. In the high rooms, guests disperse mid so many apricot blossoms. With yearning, the new frog moon stares down with amorous eyes. This poem is called Gun Lozi, and it's one of one's poems of the flowery school. Incense in the jade burner, tears on the red candle. They stubbornly shine on autumn grief in painted halls. Emerald mascara light, side curl clouds thin. The night is long, coverlet and pillow cold. Rutong trees and midnight rain don't know the grief felt right now at parting. Leaf by leaf, sound by sound, they drop on empty stairs till day. one of Wen Qingying's poems called Near the Lizo Ferry. The sun has set in the water's clear void and little blue islands are one with the sky. On the bank, a horse neighs. A boat goes by. People gather at a willow, clump and wait for the ferry. Down by the sand, bushes, seagulls are circling. Over the wide river, lands flies an egret. Can you guess why I sail, like an ancient wise lover? Through the misty five lakes, forgetting words. Those are the poems of the late Tang Dynasty poet, Wen Tingyun. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So.
listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. The long-awaited 2021 Taiwan Lantern Festival has fallen prey to COVID-19, leaving artists and businesses to pick up the pieces. A dazzling array of lights on slender stalks of bamboo. The main display at Taiwan's 2021 Lantern Festival is quite a sight, but would-be visitors will have to wait. Authorities have cancelled February's event after Taiwan saw four new domestic cases on Tuesday. Transport Minister Lin Jialong is reassuring artists their hard work won't be for nothing. He says there will be future opportunities to display their craft work, but the event in Xinzhou cannot take place as planned. Meanwhile, restaurants and hotels hoping to profit from the flood of visitors have been left to count the cost. Hotel PR manager Rose says they're already feeling the effect. She says as soon as the event was cancelled, customers began calling to cancel reservations. But on the bright side, without traffic controls in place, hotels near the festival grounds are seeing a bump in reservations for the Lunar New Year. Stash Butler, RTI News. Authorities in Taidong County have cancelled the main event of local Lunar New Year celebrations due to COVID-19. It's the first time that has happened in 32 years. A brave volunteer faces the firecracker's flames. Firing at Master Han Dan is a Lunar New Year tradition unique to Taidong. The county mayor Rao Qingling says it won't happen this year. She says she is grateful to temple authorities for cooperating at such short notice. Head of Xuanwu Temple Li Jianzhi thinks cancellation is the lesser of two evils. He says the temple doesn't want to cancel the event, but they cannot risk spreading COVID-19. This is the first time the fiery event has been cancelled in its 32-year history. The news comes after similar celebrations in Xinzhu, New Taipei City and Tainan were all called off. Ironically, firecrackers are traditionally used to ward off sickness. But it seems at least this year, pandemic beats pyrotechnics. Stash Butler, RTI News. Taipei authorities have cancelled the popular Lunar New Year market on Dihua Street due to concerns over COVID-19. But the area remains busy, with the Taipei residents continuing to visit for their New Year shopping. And local fire services are pushing forward with preparation for the festive period. Chaos reigns on Taipei's Dihua Street after a gas pipe breaks and flames engulf the market stall. But though the fire is real, the emergency isn't. Local fire services are carrying out training drills after authorities cancelled the area's popular Lunar New Year street market. They practice cutting through doors to save trapped inhabitants and using ladders to rescue people stuck on rooftops. And all the while, a drone watches over them. Fire Department Deputy Chief Xu Zhimi says it's essential preparation. 
The drone is used to monitor the rescue process, Xu explained. He says the goal is to provide a safe environment for market vendors and their customers. Authorities have cancelled the area's famous New Year's market due to concerns about COVID-19. But shopping district manager Xu Qingqi isn't worried. The cancellation hasn't had much of an impact, he says, and stores are selling more online. Whether it's fire safety or pandemic prevention, businesses are working hard to give shoppers peace of mind. Stash Butler, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. The local tourism industry has been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. That's despite the fact that the economic outlook for Taiwan is not only positive, but also hit a nine-and-a-half-year high. The COVID-19 pandemic has dealt a heavy blow to Xiaoduo, a flight attendant for more than four years. Xiaoduo has been on unpaid leave since last March. To eke out a living, she took a part-time job as a saleswoman. Xiaoduo, however, is optimistic about the future. She said although the pandemic is still pretty serious, now that vaccinations are in place and border restrictions are lifted, she believes that the aviation industry will prosper in the near future. Ms. Liao, a tour group leader, also managed to survive by moonlighting. She used to make 200000 Taiwan dollars a month. Now she earns only a tenth of that. Liao said she bought an apartment before the pandemic because she thought she had a steady income. She says she's taking one day at a time, as the government allows her to postpone paying the mortgage loans. Mr. Lin, a fluent Japanese speaker, also lost a job opportunity. He landed a job in Japan, but the rising COVID-19 cases there led to a sudden hiring freeze, so it didn't work out. As temperatures plunge, many of Taiwan's students can only shiver. That's what one private organization has found from a survey of school rules about wearing extra layers over school uniforms. The education ministry moved last year to allow students to wear winter coats and other warm clothing over their school uniforms when the weather gets cold. But the Taiwan Youth Association for Democracy says it has found that only around half of schools have put the education ministry's new rule into practice. Some schools forbid any outerwear over their school uniforms, while others only permit coats in the classroom when the mercury falls below 10 degrees Celsius. With temperatures across much of Taiwan in the single-digit Celsius, the association is suggesting the education ministry randomly inspect schools to ensure that students are allowed to wear warm clothing in the classroom. John Van Trieste, RTI News. The rear bar-headed goose has made its first ever landing in Taiwan. That's a long way from its usual home in Mongolia and Tibet. Taiwan is used to hosting high flyers in its banks and business districts, but in rural Yilan County, not so much. The bar-headed goose can reach heights of 8,800 meters, and they have birders like Mr. Chen flocking to catch a glimpse. 
The birds can fly over the Himalayas, he says. The bar-headed goose is one of the highest flying birds in the world, and this is the first time it has been spotted in Taiwan. For these birders, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Authorities think the recent cold weather front might be why the geese are here, since they normally make their home in Central Asia. Whatever the reason, Taiwan's birders were ready and waiting to capture the moment on film. Stash Butler, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. RTI is conducting a survey. Visit our website to fill out the questionnaire or simply send us your answers to the following four questions. Question number one. What platform do you use to listen to RTI programs? You can write more than one, but list the most frequent one first. Question number two. Which RTI programs are your favorites? Write no more than three programs. Question number three. Out of a total of five stars, how many stars would you give RTI's English broadcasts overall? And question number four. What are your suggestions for RTI's English programs? Everybody who enters will have a chance to win a prize. Send your answers to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan, 11199. Or send it via email. Our email address is audience01 at rti.org.tw. That's audience and the numbers 0 and 1 at rti.org.tw. Be sure to leave your name, gender, age, and nationality. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. RTI. Exercise for your mind. Even if there, there is no movement, where there are visual interactions, they take place. This site, we um, arrange all the Taiwanese business people that are interested to do business with South Africa. And then our chambers of commerce, that site also, they organize all the, the businesses. So there was a visual meeting where presentation where various presentations were done. Hello and welcome to this week's On The Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wang. Ms. Sibongile Mabasa, Deputy Representative of Liaison Office of South Africa, said trade and investment between Taiwan and South Africa were impacted by the pandemic in 2020. She said previously there would be two or three business and investment trips on a yearly basis. But in 2020, those trips were cancelled, but they managed to have virtual meetings. As how she got into diplomacy, Ms. Sibongile Mabasa said she had been fascinated with traveling and when she was in college, she took a course in international relations and it sparked her interest in diplomacy. We start off our show today with the trade relations as this is one of the areas she is in charge of.
Vincent Mabasa, you're also in charge of uh, trade and investment tourism. So could you talk about now the trade and investment climate between Taiwan and South Africa? Yes. Of course, we've been talking about our pandemic in our interview. The the trade and investment has been affected a lot. Um, And we have seen a, a decrease in figures when we compare... 2020 and 2019, uh, around this time, in, in, in a, maybe let's say between October and November of 2020 and 2019. Um, last year, around this time, we recorded in, a, in, a, in, in the month of October and November about 78 million of trade between South Africa and Taiwan. And this year, oh, last year, sorry, last year was 93 million uh, trade between um South Africa and Taiwan. And this year, it has gone down to 78 million. So you can see how the pandemic has affected um, uh, uh, the trade between the the two countries. And even our exports and imports um, have been so much uh, uh, affected. Where our um, exports uh, decreased by 0.357%. Uh, as compared to, to to last year, so you can see that South African exports did not do well in this period of pandemic uh, as compared to, to to last year. Same applies with our imports; um, they decreased by twenty eight percent. So you can see it's a huge de- uh, mm-hmm. decrease that we did not receive a lot of uh, import from Taiwan, and it was due because of we had a lockdown in, in, in South Africa, so goods were received in very limited numbers, so it affected the economy so much uh, that um, we, we recorded low numbers. And, you know, on a yearly basis, we'll, um, we're together with the Africa-Taiwan Economic Forum or the Taiwan-Africa Business Association or the SIECAM, the Chinese International Economic uh, Chambers Association, they will organize the business trip. Either will be on trade or, uh, or investment, but there will be two to three business trips per year from Taiwan to South Africa. Um, actually, they will go to various countries in Africa. So they will start either in South Africa, they go to Eswatini, Mozambique, and they move up to Kenya, to Nigeria, end up in Egypt and come back. So um, that way, it was it was assisting a lot in terms of the interaction of business people to go to our countries to see what our countries have, how they can collaborate with the companies in South Africa, uh, be it in trade or if they're interested to invest in our countries. So it was one of the en- enhancement of our trade relations between the two countries. So in 2020, that did not happen. Um, all the, the, the travel was stopped. But at least uh, we managed to have the visual meetings. Like I said, that even if there there is no movement, where there are visual interactions, they take place. So we had um, a visual meeting between um, the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry um, together with the Taiwan Africa Business Association, where this site 
we um, arrange all the Taiwanese business people that are interested to do business with um, South Africa. And then our chambers of commerce, that side also, they organize our, the businesses. So there was a visual meeting where presentation where various presentation were done to say, this is where we are, this is where we are struggling. And the Taiwan will say, okay, this is where we are, this is how we manage to survive. Uh, uh, within the pandemic, so there were at least an exchange of 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 ideas and 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 and, and information because of in South Africa now we're looking at the economic recovery plan on how our economy can recover from the pandemic, and yet when we look at the uh, Taiwanese economy, it did not suffer that much. <laughs> I think it's one of the economies in the world that it's still doing well. Um, uh, regardless of the, the, the pandemic and their economic re recovery plan is very well good in advance. So it's something that our people and our government can learn from. And recently, on the 18th of November, uh, South Africa hosted the third investment uh, conference. And indeed, we also mobilized uh, business it was a visual conference mm -hmm. as compared to the first and second one where business people will travel to South Africa and gather with various business people around the world that have been invited and then they will be presented with business opportunities in South Africa and the incentives that are available and they will also ask questions in terms of um, um, whatever interest that they will have. But this year, was it was a visual uh, meeting. So everyone was given, those who you register, and then you'll be given a link to join the visual meeting, and they will do the same thing that they were, they were doing. So it, it's some of the things that, at least in this pandemic, we try to do. But of course, our economy has been affected so much, and it also affected the, the, the trade between South Africa and, and Taiwan. You're listening to Underline, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong, and today I'm speaking with Ms. Sibongile Mabasa, the Deputy Representative of Liaison Office of South Africa in Taiwan. A little bit about yourself, uh, Ms. Mabasa. How did you, in the very beginning, get into diplomacy? <laughs> um, okay. To be honest with you, you know when you're growing up, you tend to be changing careers. That tomorrow you want to be mm -hmm. um, a chartered accountant, the other day you want to be a lawyer, this other day you want to be a doctor, and yeah, and then you want to be a psychologist. So I finished my high school, I went to university, even when I got to university I was like, okay, what I knew I wanted to do was a BCom, but... Um, I, my, my mathematics was not good to take me to BCom. So I was like, okay, now I have to do something. So I was um, diverted to the Bachelor of Arts. And then while we were doing the orientation of the courses, I just saw this course that says international relations. I'm like, wow, because I like traveling. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if it's international relations, it means it has to do with international. So I'll be traveling a lot. So this is what I want to do. So I chose the, the course. And while studying it, I develop an interest because in most cases we'll be dealing with current affairs. Uh, you'll be watching news, reading newspapers and analyzing the news and giving your own opinion on what you have seen or what has been said about uh, um, on the news. 
Um, so it, I, I became interested that at least there's, it, it, it does not talk about history, it talks about current issues that you, are, you can relate to and you can engage, you can analyze, you can be part of it. So I fell in love with international relations, which now took me into diplomacy, that if you're doing uh, international relations, then the, the end uh, uh, means here is it's diplomacy and then you'll become a diplomat and represent your country in everywhere where there are offices your the country offices so that's where i got into diplomacy and from there off i never look back um, i enjoyed diplomacy so much and yeah Hence, I then, found myself here well, in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, actually, you just gave me the answer that I was planning to ask you. Uh, oh. Any regrets? And you said no. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, you once served in uh, Kenya before yes. serving in Taiwan. So, before coming all the way from Africa to mm. Taiwan in Asia, so did you ever give it a second thought? No, you know, um, Kenya and, 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 and Taiwan are two different um, um, countries and cultures. Uh, with Kenya and South Africa, there's so much common or, or similarities, whether it be it um, the language, the culture, the difference will be uh, a little bit there. And they speak Kiswahili, and Kiswahili is a mixture of most of the African languages, including the Arabic. So being in South Africa and speaking most of the South African languages, in, in my posting in Kenya was like so smooth because I could understand the Kiswahili uh, very uh, easily, and I could relate and 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 gel very well in Kenya. Then coming to Taiwan, it was. I was interested in it because when I was told that I'm going to Taiwan, I was like, oh, okay, so it's um, a Chinese area. So I started reading a lot more about um, Taiwan because you have to know about mm -hmm. the country where you're going to. And um, I was like, oh, okay, this seems like it will be a challenging, but again, interesting uh, 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 posting. So I didn't even give it a, a second thought because of this was going to be a totally different from the Kenya uh, experience um, with the culture and, and everything. And of course, I got here, it's totally different, uh, starting from the infrastructure, the development, the, um, the, the language, which is of course difficult. I'm still <laughs> trying to learn. <laughs> now you have been but, here. But I will get there. I, I'm so determined that I, uh, I learned the language because of Ch Mandarin will become an international language yes. soon. Yeah. So it's of my uh, benefits to 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 make sure that I learn it and I take it serious. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I never gave it a, a, a second thought. And here I am. I enjoyed being in Taiwan so much um, that you know I have created friendship, families, a brotherhood, sisterhood, um, whether work-wise, socially, and otherwise. It, it it has been a wonderful experience. Um, and no doubt that uh, um, I'll come back to visit mm. uh, Taiwan because of I'm leaving my daughter behind to finish a high school here. Oh, so that's the decision you made. Yes, yes that's mm. the decision yeah, I just made. Just for the information, Miss um, Mabasa's daughter is currently studying in Taiwan. And when I met her and I asked her and she said um, maybe she would go back to South Africa. And now the answer is she's yes. staying in Taiwan. Yes. So that gives you a reason to come back. Exactly. Yes. More reason to come back. Yes. 90%. There is no <laughs> way. As long as, as, as soon as the sky is open, then we'll definitely visit uh, Taiwan.
So you're going back to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs back in South Africa. Yes, mm-hmm. it's the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So I hope that you will bring all the good memories that you have had here in Taiwan back with you to South Africa, and I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you. Oh, definitely, I'll do that. When um, I had um, a farewell dinner the other day, I, I mentioned to the people that are there that going back to South Africa it does not mean we end our interaction. We end our friendship. My contacts are not changing. The contact that you have for me, the, my email address, my line ID, my cell phone number is still going to be the same. So we should continue where we are and take our relations further because I'll still be within the Ministry of Foreign Affairs or so doing the same thing. So if anyone need any help, where, whether be it tourism, trade, or you coming to South Africa for leisure, it's like, here I am. I will be in South Africa to help you with anything. So it does not mean me saying goodbye on the 15th, it's saying goodbye for good. It's just changing the goalposts. That now I'm no longer on this post, I'm going to a, a different post. But we can still interact. But definitely you will be missed and we have been joined in our studio today by Ms. Sibankile Mabasa, the Deputy Representative of South Africa of the Liaison Office of South Africa in Taipei. Ms. Mabasa, thank you very much for coming to our studio today. Thank you so much, Mr. Carlson, for inviting me and uh, sharing my experiences and the work that um, we have done in, in, in Taiwan. So I really hope that our initiative that have started will grow up to, 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 to highest level. So thank you so much for having me. Surely I'll daily miss you and the registration. Because I, I know when we have delegation like Mr. Carlson, here's our Satma, they are here. Please welcome them. So you've been very helpful with our RTI colleagues as well. So thank you so much. And that wraps up this week's On the Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening to us and as we're giving goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.